You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. This is our sermon series, Recalibrate. This series explores the intentional formation of disciples and how we as a church can help our congregation change and grow. So last week, we, we picked up a new series called Recalibrate. We Lau introduced these kind of burdens in our church's bones and our pastor's bones of what we want to be about at a church. How are we doing and what we want to be about for the next three to five years? And so Lau asked the question. It's a, the kind of a, a hard question to ask. It's a question that's actually a little bit exposing, but are, are the, is the way we're doing church actually making disciples? Is the way we're doing groups and studies and church and uh, the way we're worshiping and getting groups, like, is that way of doing church actually helping people be holistically formed disciples of Jesus? And you kind of think about it, if you're used to our church or maybe you're new, our normal mode of operation is kind of preach through books of the Bible and we enjoy that a little more. But what we're kind of doing is if you think about it, um, me and Lyle are preaching one big long sermon. Well, you say, well, y'all preach big, long sermons every week. <laughs> but we're doing three big, long sermons that we're just piggyback offing each other. So um, Lyle introduced this sermon next, this last week, and he's going to pick it up next week as well. But the question I kind of want to ask this morning, what I want to do this morning is ask the question, if we're talking about are we making disciples, we probably need to ask the question, what do we mean by disciples? And what are we doing for discipleship? So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to ask the question, what do we mean by discipleship? What does that mean for groups? And what is your role to play? What do we mean by discipleship? What does that mean for groups? And what is your role to play? So first, what do we mean by discipleship? So that word's thrown around. If you've been around Christian, Christianity or the church, that word's been thrown around a lot. And you may not know what that means. Or maybe you're new to Christianity and it's like, what, is that, what does the word discipleship mean? And we've used, a, used that word a lot and we, we use it in different models and different ways to do church. But our elders and our leaders, ministry leaders have really asked this question for honestly the last six to eight months. So when we do discipleship, what do we mean? When we're helping people follow Jesus, how are we doing that? A couple of months ago, I closed out our Matthew series and I was talking about the Great Commission and I defined a disciple like this. A disciple is a person that has submitted their life to Jesus and his way of living. A disciple is a person that submitted their life to Jesus and his way of living. So that doesn't mean you fully arrive at his way of living. That doesn't mean you're um, killing it as a disciple of Jesus. That just means you've submitted your life to trying to be like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. So when we're asking the question, what, do we, what does it mean to do discipleship, we're trying to do that. We're trying to help people submit their life to Jesus and his way of living. That's what we mean by discipleship. That's what we mean by helping people follow Jesus. And what I want to introduce is kind of this framework of we're kind of reimagined discipleship. And this isn't a word from the Lord. This isn't, uh, we didn't see a divine um, revelation to see this. And it isn't brand new. People have said these words and done these things. This is holistically, we believe as leaders, what it means to form people as disciples of Jesus at Sojourn J-Town. So what we mean by discipleship is discipleship is learning relationships 
and mission. Learning relationships and mission. So you ask me, okay, how do I become a disciple of Jesus? Well, you need to learn the Bible and who God is and what the gospel has done on your behalf. You need to be in relationships with others so that you can grow in your maturity and Christ-likeness. And you need to be on mission to help people do the same. You need to learn who God is and what he's done for you. You need to do that with other people as they help you see that more clearly, help you endure. And you need to do that in such a way that you become the faithful, loving presence that want people to do the same. That's what we mean by discipleship. So when we say we want to get you involved in discipleship, that means we want to help you learn the Bible, help you learn the gospel, help you learn and use your mind to engage with God's word. And we want you to do that with other people in the context of the local church. And we want you to be the faithful, loving presence where you live, where you go, where you play and what you enjoy. And we see this in the mission of Jesus. He calls his disciples to what? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he says, follow me, be my disciple, learn my ways, learn how I do things. But he didn't just call one person. He called multiple people to be in relationship with him. So the disciples didn't just do one-on-one discipleship with Jesus. In fact, in fact, Jesus didn't do one-on-one discipleship with anybody. He was constantly gathering these group of people, teaching them the Bible and how it relates to each other. So he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So this is learning. They need to learn the ways of Jesus and what he's doing for them. They need to do it together. These disciples are journeying with Jesus together. And then what? They're making fisher. They're being fishers of men themselves. We see that in the Great Commission as he tells them to go and make disciples. We see that in the book of Acts as they, the, the Holy Spirit comes down. And what do they do? They teach the Bible, they gather in community, and they help other people do the same. That's what you see in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the Holy Spirit's work through groups of people teaching the Bible, being in community together, and they're baptizing more people day after day. That's what we believe discipleship is at this church. And this isn't a silver bullet. This isn't the secret recipe. This is what we believe God is calling us to do at this local church at our particular time. And I will be spending most of the next week's sermon talking about well, that learning component to discipleship. And what I want to spend today is, what does that mean? What is this recalibration? Notice we use the word recalibration. We didn't use the word restart or replant or reboot. Because we don't think we've done it wrong. We're just wondering if we can adjust it. Let's make a tweak. And the question is, what does that recalibration mean for groups? Because if we're honest, groups has been the primary means in which we've done discipleship. Historically, we've said that paradigm, learning, relationship, mission, equals groups. And for many of us, that's helped us. Many of us, that's, that's helped us love Jesus. What we want to do is, though, is have more particular focus in each of these areas. Because the reality is, if something is everything, something is nothing. Or at least not doing it very well. So we want all of our discipleship spaces to do learning and relationships and mission. We want our kids' ministry to learn the Bible, to be soaked in God's word and learn the gospel. And we're going to do it together in classrooms. And we're going to have hospitable environments that new kids come into our ministry and they feel welcomed and wanted. 
We want to do Bible studies in such a way that everybody can come in and no matter your experience with Christianity and you can learn the Bible. And they're going to learn. They're going to do relationships. They're going to do mission. But what we want to do is, but some of these fake uh, these spaces have focuses or have emphasis. So we want our Bible studies to be about all three of these things. But the goal, the win, the emphasis, the major is learning. So in Bible studies, if you come on Monday nights, you're going to learn the Bible. That's the existence for Bible studies, for you to come in and learn the Bible. But you'll be around tables asking each other, how's your life going? What was your week like? How's your marriage? Applying the scriptures to your life. And you're going to be at the same table every single week. You're going to learn the Bible together. And you can invite your lost friend and they can engage in that discussion. But the goal of Bible studies is learning. Similarly, with groups, we want to do learning. We want to talk about Jesus. We want to talk about the Bible. We want to talk about how to engage with the scriptures. But the goal isn't learning. The goal is relationships. So for a group, this recalibration of groups means that we're going to do major on relationships and minor on learning and mission. If you've been around Sojourn for a while, that's a shift. If you've not been around Sojourn in a while, like, sounds great. But some of us have some glorious stories of doing that together. Some of us have some wounds, if we're honest. Some leaders are like, I can't, I can't be a missionary, a shepherd, and a Bible study teacher all in the one thing. Because you can't. And just to be honest, nobody can. It's hard to do that. So our, our groups are still going to do learning. They're still going to talk about Jesus. Our groups are still going to be a hospitable space for everybody to be welcomed and wanted. But we want to do life together. Our groups are our friendship cat, catalyst for our church. You want to find real friendships in our church? You want to find the space that's dedicated to friendships in our church? That's what groups are. We want to be focused in the way we want to try to help people follow Jesus. We want to have emphasis because if something is everything, they don't do everything well. And you know this. You go to Golden Corral, you got any kind of food you want, any, anything you could imagine. They probably have some Chinese food, they have some ribeye steaks, they have country food, they have mashed potatoes, anything you want, they have Golden Corral. And if you love Golden Corral, no shame to you. I grew up on Ryan's. Ryan's no longer exists. But same thing. But you don't go there for high quality food because they do everything and you just don't do everything great. But Chick-fil-A, you got one thing. You got chicken and chicken and more chicken. But they do that one thing really well and they don't apologize for not having hamburgers. We want groups to do relationships really, really well. The central focus of our group's ministry is for you to foster and establish friendships in your life that help you follow Jesus. So that means we may not use the word multiplication anymore for groups. Like some of you are like, I got PSD when you just said the word. <laughs> because the goal isn't mission. The reason we've done groups that way is because we want every group to be a local outreach component in our city. And we still want them to do outreach. 
But the goal of our groups is for friendships. And the reason we may cap some of our groups to a certain size, because if you're doing groups with 40 people, it's really hard to do intimate, close friendships. You may have heard the statement, we don't do groups in this building. Some of you may have had your hand slapped for trying to do a group in this building. I don't care where you do group. You want to use this building? Send us an email. I want to start a new group in this building. We have current groups that meet in this building on Wednesday nights. There's a bunch of S2 parents. I'm not promoting the particular group, but there's a bunch of S2 parents that drop off their kids and they go to group. And it's one of our best groups. You can't find a host home. You say, I mean, four of us can, six of us can meet at Starbucks. Awesome. Do group at Starbucks. It's the meat, the, we're not going to let the, the tail wag the dog. Our hope for you is to be in relationship. And so introducing our new mission statement, our new vision for groups. And here's what we, we want groups to be about. Groups at Sojourn J-Town exist for people to participate in healthy friendships as they seek to be a faithful and loving presence in the world. That is what groups are about. They exist. The sole existence of groups is for people to participate in healthy friendships, practicing the one another's, practicing loving each other in such a way that transforms your life. That's why groups exist. Well, what does that look like? Well, we're trying to embody Romans 12 in the life of our groups. So listen to what Romans 12 says. It says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence or zeal or be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Paul's introducing these imperatives for community life. He's saying, if you want to do relationships, you want to do community well in the local church, here's what you must do. Isn't that what you may do? Here's some suggestions. Here's what you must do. He says, love one another deeply. The truth is, all of us want this. All of us want to be loved by somebody else how we've been loved by Jesus. We want somebody to fully know us, to know that we're not the perfect parent, to know that we hate our job sometimes, to know that we grumble and we haven't read our Bible enough, to know all the flaws and still draw near. We long for somebody to love us in that way. We long for it. And that's what he means by love each other deeply. Loving each other deeply says, I get annoyed with you sometimes. I'm still going to lean into your life. Loving each other deeply says, we may not not agree on politics, but we can love each other. Loving each other deeply says, we may not agree on the vaccine or mask mandates, but we can love each other. And we have those conversations out of love. Loving each other deeply goes beyond the conditional elements our culture provides for us. Loving each other deeply says, I'm committed to your flourishing. He tells them to honor one another. He tells them to call out God's grace in others' lives. The reality is me and you walk around and we don't feel like we're killing this Christianity thing. Most of us don't wake up in the morning saying, man, I am an awesome Christian. 
Rarely do we do that. And we don't see God's grace in our own lives. So we need people that function as gospel mirrors in our lives that see the gospel at work in us. And they look at you and say, God is at work in this, in your life. Hey, I watched the way you engage with your spouse the other day. And it's really encouraging to my soul. Hey, I saw you show grace and humility to that person that didn't deserve it, that restaurant. I'm really proud of you. Honor is the the stirring up of thankfulness in other people to God. When you honor somebody with your words, you're saying on behalf of God to your friend, God is doing a work in you. That's what we want our groups to be about. We want stirring up of gratitude with our words. We want to have a zeal to serve one another. That we see our friend in need and we step in, we don't step back. We sacrifice our budgets. We sacrifice our time, our energy. We could do something else, but our friend needs us right now. So in the midnight of the hour, I'm going to step in and help make sure my friend's okay. Sometimes we believe that friendship should be easy, that we can just go along to get along and we can only drift to the relationships that are are natural. And some of that happens. It's okay to have friendships that are easy, but I'm just gonna be honest, real community and a larger community than maybe six people, it gets hard. If you just want people to hang out with that are act like you, function like you, believe like you, and don't need your time, that's not honest, genuine community. To to commit to community community is the commitment to inconvenience myself for others. I'm going to inconvenience my time, my resources, my emotional emotional health, because I'm going to absorb some of your pain for your sake. Paul calls them to, to serve one another. He sells for them to endure together. He says, be patient in affliction to hope. Friends, you will not make it in this life. You will not endure the the harshness of this world unless you have people in your life helping hold you up. You've walked through a dark hallway. You get up in the middle of the night, need to use the bathroom. And what do you do? You immediately stick your hands out and find the walls. Otherwise, your toe finds the corner of the bed. There will be times in your life where it, the hallway gets dark and you do not know where your next step will land. My longing for our friendship in our groups is for when people are in those dark times and they reach their hands out to find where to go, their hands land on the shoulders of their friends because they're there. You will not endure this life unless you have people to help you endure, to call out the grace in your life, to help you weep, to help you rejoice. You will not make it. You need friends to help you endure together. And it encourages them to practice empathy. I would say this is one of the most important things. 
If you're in groups just sharing ideas and your heart's not being knit together with other people, you'll never love what they love. You'll never rejoice when they rejoice and you'll never cry when they're crying because you're just sharing some ideas together. And we're going to be on sharing ideas together. We're going to be on sharing thoughts together. We want to share our hearts and our lives together. So when you sit with somebody and you hear their story, you hear what they've been going through, you hear what makes them happy. You hear what, they're, what they love. Your heart is knit to those things. So therefore, you can know your friend loves UK football and you hate sports. But when UK football wins, your heart has this glimpse of rejoicing because your friend had a good day. And you can show up on the lawn of your friend who bring in their new baby home because it's not just their baby, it's your nephew or niece. Because your heart's been so knit together with that family that your joy is their joy. Friends, we will never do genuine, faithful community at this church unless we knit our hearts together. Spend time together. Share your story with them. Let them know of that wound that you have in your life. And when you do that, they know when they experience this sadness from you or they see this on the news or they see somebody say something to you, they know it's going to hurt you and they step in without you even asking them to. That's what empathy creates. You will not share genuine community with other people unless you get beyond your disagreements, you get beyond your decisions, you get beyond your information, and you get to their heart and say, this is a person I deeply love. And my pain is their pain. And my joy is their joy. And if you find that, it'll transform your life. And this this is in Rome he's riding to. This isn't just some just random city. This is the New York City of the day. There's Jews, there's Greeks, there's Romans, there's Africans, there's, there's um, Asian. There's all kinds of people in this city doing life together. You see, you have multiple different ideologies, multiple different um, philosophies of government. That's why Paul writes about government in Romans 13, because there's disagreement about government. And he didn't say, do this if you feel like it. These are imperative. These are commands. He said, if you want to do genuine community that witnesses to the world of the greatness of God, you must do life like this. And you've, some of you experienced this, and, but at the same time, some of you have not experienced this and it hurts when you do life with somebody and they act like they don't care anything about what you're going through. It's painful. This isn't some secret sauce or recipe. We're going to fail at this. The beauty of relationships is that the things that cause us the most pain, people, are the very thing that God has put in our life to bring us the most healing. If your answer to relationships, the pain you've experienced in relationships, is to not have relationships, you're going to duplicate your pain. God has put people in your life to help you experience the presence of Christ himself. It's one of the churches called the body. It's the presence of Christ on earth. 
So Paul commands these people to do this. And this is what we want or long for our community, our groups, our people to be about in this particular time at this particular church. So what does that mean for you? What is your involvement in that? Well, we want you to be in community. As pastors, as leaders of you, we we know you will not flourish unless you're in community. A A first step is coming to church regularly. And that's not to heap shame or guilt, but you have experienced the pain of of attending church irregularly or not at all. And we've all basically put all our community muscles on pause for a long time. We haven't exercised coming to church. We haven't exercised going to group. We haven't exercised serving. And our muscles need activating. But if you wait till they get activated to do it, they'll stay dormant forever. So maybe your first step is coming to church on a regular basis. As your conscience permit, I know that COVID is rising. And it's, our, it's anxious. I, I wake up anxious on a regular basis. But you know, you know the pain of not gathering with your church, with your friends. You've experienced the loneliness. I don't have to give you an argument for why loneliness is bad. You know it. But don't wait for your for your soul to be ready for community to step into community. You'll never get there. Get your body there and your heart will show up. So get into community. Our longing for you is to get in community in such a way that it's transformational. There's one story from one of our sisters in our church that says this about her experience with community. I didn't grow up in church. These men and women welcomed my daughter and I like they had known us our whole lives. A wonderful woman in my original group, Margaret, actually helped lead me to accept Jesus as my Savior. Over the years, we have walked through hardship of life together, losing family members, growing our family, even the hardest of times, my divorce. These men and these women, my brothers and sisters, have loved me, supported me, and showed my children the true love of Jesus. I have my doubts and my questions. I truly believe God brought me to sojourn to be surrounded by such strong, faithful community that helped me follow Jesus. And that may not be your story. You may have the opposite story of that with community, but it can be. It can be. People around you helping you follow Jesus in spite of your circumstances. So that means for you stepping into community. That may mean during passing the peace, you meet somebody and you say, hey, what are you doing for lunch? I'd love to get lunch with you. That may be inviting somebody over your house that you haven't invited over the house. We want you to get plugged into community, get in the group. Choose to be a part of group leadership. Now, if I'm honest, we need more group, group leaders. We need more groups started. You're like, I can't start a group. I'm not a super theologian. I'm not a super Christian. We don't need super theologians and super Christians leading groups. We need people that love Jesus and love helping others follow Jesus in group leadership. So if you can send an email, you can send a text message, you can respond to people's needs, you can ask good questions, and you can listen to people, you can be a group leader. We need our group leaders to not think of themselves as these, these pastors, 
That may have been a temptation for you in the past. Our group leaders are not shepherds and pastors. Our group leaders are our chief friends. The people leading out in friendship in our church. We don't need you to, to do all the work. If, if you're doing all the work in your group, then we need to talk to your group about what friendship is. Because if you have a friend and you're doing all the relationship in that group, it's really hard to have that friendship. But we're calling people to lead out in group in such a way that says, follow me as I follow Jesus. So we need in group leaders. So if, if that's you, say, I can do that. I can, I can be a chief friend. I can be a person that helps people follow Jesus. Lean in. Maybe that's for you in this season of your life. You, you sign up for Bible studies. And yes, you're going to learn the Bible, but for eight straight weeks, you're going to be at the same table with somebody asking you how you are doing. And you're doing the same. Maybe it's serving. You can serve in our connect ministry or our kids ministry or our student ministry. And as you do that, you're doing that with other people who are going to ask you how you're doing. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is for you, you got to own it. The church cannot manufacture relationships for you. We can't. We can create spaces. We can create environments for you to have relationships. That's one of the reasons we started GroupLink. It's this place on Sunday morning for four weeks where you, you practice community and get to know one another. So for four weeks, you're sitting at tables and you're going to do group-like things. And what happened last time we did that is people actually got to know each other. They share their lives with one another. And what do you know? Groups started out of that. We have that coming up in a couple of weeks. But whatever you, you need to do, you need to own it. You need to take responsibility for your connection. And some of you do feel lonely. You do feel disconnected. And I empathize with that. And you're not alone. I just want to encourage you to stop pressing snooze on your relationship journey. And say, no, I'm responsible for my relationships. Church, how can you guys help me get in community? It's... it's it's not that hard, but it's also really complex at the same time. So I encourage you to lean in, own your relationships. So what, here's what I want you to do. I want, you should have a group's card in your seat. I want everybody to grab that and, and hold it up in there. This is very student ministry of me to do. Hold it up in there. On the back of that, you have a list of, of these blanks. I want you to do an assessment of actually how genuine of a community you have. Because the reality is the group's not the goal. I don't care if you're in group. What I care about is you being in community and have somebody ask you how your soul's doing. How's your marriage going? So on that list, I want you to list names. Three to five of the people that are committed to gather with you regularly, to meet with you regularly, to have to ask questions like, how are you doing? How's your soul? How's your Bible reading? How's your marriage? People that help you follow Jesus. And you may feel this uh, sudden shame. Just be careful. You, you may feel this sudden shame. And I just want to tell to you, you're not alone. You're not alone in that shame. Just fight it. Suppress that shame. Say, it's not for me. And just live unto it. 
You can do this. If you don't have all those blanks filled out, flip that card over and said, I'm going to make a choice today. I'm going to get in community. I'm going to stop pressing snooze on my relational life. I'm going to stop feeling bad about how little friends I have. And I'm going to live unto that and say, I'm going to get in community. I'm going to sign up for group link or I'm going to, I want to say I can lead a group or I can host a group or I want to get in a group. Cause you, if you wait, if you wait till you're ready to do it, you won't do it. You won't. So today don't take it home. You've been thinking about connection for a while. You've been thinking about community for, for six months to a year. You know, you're lonely. I'm lonely. We're all lonely, but choose today. Choose today that I'm gonna, I'm gonna step into relationships. I'm gonna get connected, not just to a program, but to people that will help me follow Jesus and that I can help follow Jesus. And you fill that out and bring it to the Blue Star here, son. Afterwards, there's group leadership gonna be waiting to receive you to ask any, you can ask any question about group life or community life you want to. Ask for somebody to pray for you. But if you wait until you're ready to start community, you'll never be ready. You won't. Because the world and suffering isn't going to wait for you to be ready. So I just want to take time just to sit and pray by yourself. Sit with the Lord. Think about that list. Think about what God's inviting you into. And then we'll take communion. So as the band plays, sit with God. Be present with Him. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash J-Town.